0: For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast and buy shirts directly from the, Spent the Rant podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Today we are joined by three of the pod's most recognizable voices, James Barber, Blair Conrad and Patrick Miller. We tackle a topic that has already been addressed ad nauseum, so it really needs no introduction. Coming up next on the Spent the Rant podcast, a panel discussion on Donald J. Trump and the impeachment inquiry. Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Self-Esteem Boat Willie. I've got a bunch of guests today. (laughs) Folks, hey, so we're doing an impeachment inquiry. Uh, Let me introduce my guests. Uh, We've got Blair Conrad. Hey. Patrick Miller. What's up? And James Barber. This is like the 19th time that James has joined us, so this is good. Uh, So, yeah, once we kind of got news of this, once Pelosi made it official, I got quickly. It took about five minutes. I sent each one of you guys an, an you know, individual message, and I was like, what do you think about not this coming weekend, but the following weekend? We'll get together and we'll talk about this, and you guys all seemed on board, so here we are.
1: Yeah, had, we, had we known that it was going to uh, ramp up this quickly, we may have done it last weekend. Seriously, yeah. but that's the thing. Pat and I had talked off air... A couple
0: of days ago and it was pretty clear pretty fast that by tuesday this is all going to be old news so
2: yeah i'm surprised this is still not the top story right or, or that it's still a top story
0: yeah. right i mean we're we're talking about this it's saturday october 5th and yeah by the time you're listening to this if it's not right away who knows what could have happened maybe he has you know tried to buy australia or something but so, yeah, who wants to talk about basically if you're if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with the process of impeachment. And I, I mean, I think it's important because one thing that Donald Trump has done is had a, it's shown a lot of people that are casual political followers. Maybe they vote, but they don't pay attention until it's an election year. They're paying attention to the process now because it's crazy and it's become a spectator sport, which is scary. So. Uh, James, do you want to do that? Talk about—he's like, no,
3: no. <laughs> Talk about.
0: I, so you explain the impeachment process, how it goes through the House, you know, into the Senate. Would you like to do that?
2: Pat? I'm not on. I'm not on all the details of it, but basically, the House is going to vote to impeach, and then the Senate has to convict. If we, if. We want to see him get removed from office.
4: And then there's Moscow Mitch. He's like, I'm going to block it. I'm going to block it. I'm going to block it.
2: (laughs) Right. And we have an audio submission
0: from a listener, Jeremy Cummings, that I'm going to play in a little bit. And he mentions in that, um, you know, we'll get into that in a little bit. So shout out to Jeremy Cummings for submitting audio on Twitter.
1: I have to go on record right now, though, by saying that uh, I'm the one guy that's lived literally through a couple the, of these puppies. Yeah. So the reason I was initially against it was simply because the process is huge hella long and at, at in best case scenario it's going to take months and months and months no matter what happens because this guy's not going to resign. No. Oh, so God, no. so we're we're on we're on for a uh, a bumpy ride folks.
0: So with Nixon how long was the process? Was it a couple of years?
1: Well, with Nixon, what was weird was that it started. No, it wasn't that long, but because he resigned quickly once once the tapes were were subpoenaed and actually came out, he was like, oh, damn. And he blew out of town. It was the two years before that, when the Watergate um, stuff started happening in The Washington Post, that people started going, what? And then it. The process, once the process started, it didn't go that long because they were able to get through the Supreme Court to get the tapes that they were saying they aren't going to give up. And that
0: was in a time when there was at least some respect for media, too. So when Washington Post drops the story or whatnot, people were like, oh, man, they, they probably are telling the truth.
1: Actually, it took... It took months to really gain traction it wasn't until they it wasn't until they started really getting into the details and once they arrested um the burglars <laughs> you know once that part started happening and it became a reality this this thing really happened then it became more of a uh, you know we're hiding What what are they hiding what's the evidence they're hiding and then the tapes became evident and Mitchell went away. I mean, he's the, he's the, as far as I understand, he's the only secretary of state that actually has gone to jail.
0: Right. So, yeah. Right. Which is significant. Yeah. So I read up on Wikipedia, there's been 19 impeachments of people in office, only three. This is the fourth for a president. It's happened to Supreme court justices and people of Congress. Mm. But yeah, Nixon's the only one that's left office. So there's never been a successful impeachment, you know?
2: And there's two things with this one. Uh, one, It takes two thirds to convict in the Senate, and we know that that's not going to happen with Trump, which is a big reason why a lot of people are are not on board with doing the impeachment because they know that he's not going to get convicted. And then, two, we've got the media that's insisting that this is a political process, like this is a political decision to impeach. Whereas, you know, someone like me views it as Congress has a duty to stand up to and uphold our laws and make sure that the president is abiding by it i don't view it as a political quotation marks here as a political decision where whether to make sure that our president is standing up to those laws right and even some of the republicans have said that. I can't remember who, Grassley? Is that his
0: name?
1: Well, Grassley was the first to come out. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's Romney saying... is that. I mean, there's a bunch of people now that are finally saying, look, let's let this thing play out. And they're really starting to balk against the already uh, obstruction tactics by the White House and by actually Barr and the yeah. rest of the State yeah. Department. So, yeah, it's going to get juicy, and we're going to find out that... Um, I mean, this could play out like the Nixon thing where it may go to higher courts to demand evidence because they're going to block every opportunity to get these tapes. The very fact that they they hid these things away in this weird server, that's the one where you go... Oh, damn. They knew what was going on. Right. They knew what was going on, and they tried to hide This is no different than Nixon's tapes where they put them away and wouldn't release, and then they released them, and there was missing pieces of tape. I mean, it was crazy. Well, right. did
4: you see last night, for instance, Elijah Cummings just <coughs> subpoenaed for those tapes, mm-hmm. and it was like 8 o'clock our time, so it's super late in D.C., so I'm interested to see, you know, he's going to block it. I'm interested to see how that plays out because it's just... Block after block, the executive order thing yesterday, too, really pissed me off. That was...
0: Oh, we can talk about that in a bit, about basically trying to stop Medicare for All, which is disgusting. But so, uh, you know, before we go too far off base, James, you had mentioned the political ramifications or the talk of political ramifications. Now, what point... Does it become a political ramification for the Republicans if they don't support it? You know, because in 2020, there's going to be, again, like the support of Trump with the 30% or whatever you want to call it. There's going to be those people that are, that's what people asked me, not to get it too off point, but people asked me when I was telling them about this you know, that I was going to do this episode. And they were like, do you have a Trump supporter? I'm like, what's the point? They would literally say everything he's doing is fine and that it's a hoax. So there we go. That's their opinion. So there's no need to hear from them. And there's no negotiating with them. So all of us are here with differing views inside of the Democratic Party. And we're going to get to Blair in a minute. She calls herself a recovering Republican. (laughs) And so I really do believe that the three or four of us have slightly differing views. You know, I think, James, you're pretty locked in with Bernie. That's that's a given. And you'll support the candidate, correct? You know, I mean, depending, I guess, to really say.
2: I don't make those decisions prior to the primary. And that's fair. That's actually a And very... I've learned that in the, because of 2016 with what happened. Like, that was disgusting. Right. And I've seen the way that you've handled the
0: the responses that people will be like, oh, my God, Warren's a warmonger. And we're not really going to get into This is more about Trump than the primary. But I respect that fully that you haven't made that decision.
1: yet. I'd like to say that I am truly almost apolitical at this point when it comes to parties. I, I... Blew out of the Democratic Party after well twice really the first time was after we won in 2008 Had a supermajority and then watched our own party demolish. What was a far better health care Program that's when I said okay. Whoa something's wrong here. I got yanked back in with Bernie and was an ardent supporter of Bernie, but then watched firsthand what the DNC did, including jimmying information we were getting on the Van project um, when we were out doing door-to-door canvassing. And I'll stand by that. And anybody wants to, to you know, bring it up or talk about it at some point, no, that was out-and-out, out, you know, manipulation of of the campaign. So I blew out again at this part. At this point. I can literally say I'm disgusted with both parties and what I am as a, an American citizen that wants answers. That's right. what I am. Right, and
0: it's an inept thing. I mean, a lot of the complaints that people have about the Democratic Party <clears and throat> handling of impeachment is that they're inept. It's like, why did it come to this? For people inside the Democratic Party or on the left, they're complaining, like, why did it take this long? Like, why
2: haven't you started already? And this kind of leads to answering your question when we started out, which was how, how soon before the Republicans start Having viewing yeah. this and backing away from it, and I don't know that that's going to happen because one, you have a pretty inept Democratic Party right. who doesn't know how to respond to the Republican messaging, and the Republicans basically control the messaging, and they have for decades, ever since the uh, um, was the fair
1: well, again, the fair what is that
2: thing called? <clears throat> um, where they got away with fair the use. truth and media?
1: Yeah, fair use. I mean, that was that was being in broadcasting. I watched it happen twice. in In '86 is when actually Reagan disappeared. Fair use, which led us to Rush Limbaugh and people like that, because it, it, it used to be for every for those of you who don't understand the process for every. Minute you gave to one side, broadcasters were legally bound to give an equal amount of time to the other side. So it made it very difficult for a talk show to be a talk show. Yeah. When that one went away in the '80s, that opened up the door for the Rush Limbaugh for entertainment it, news. Exactly, exactly. Where it really went off the rails was during the Clinton administration, and that was after the capitulation for the infamous Monica situation. He had to go with anything that happened. So it ushered in the Gingrich. the Iraq Liberation Act. I mean, there's so many things that got deregulated at that point. But the biggest deregulation was broadcasting. Multiple ownership, broadcasting, being able to send Rush or anybody else out across hundreds of thousands of of airwaves that didn't, but before were regulated down to a very tight number Right, and then you get
0: tribalism where you get people that only uh, subscribe to one. Yeah type of media. I mean, I personally am a big fan of like The Young Turks and I watch it religiously pretty much. But that being said, I do watch other media to see how things are being reported. Like I don't watch the news for the information. Yeah. I watch it to see the twist, to see the spin. And then you get people I talk about my dad a lot on the podcast and he's somebody that's like these goddamn liberals and I'm like, they're human beings, dad. They just have a difference
2: in opinion on strategy. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the thing. But well, it's this the Republicans have streamlined their messaging, so it's they get their, their talking points every single day, and it goes out to all of those conservative media sources. And they stay on brand. They stay on brand. You know, so, so they that... muddy up every single issue. Whatever comes out, they've got a message for it. They've got a way to spin it to where their folks will believe it. And the basically the data says the first thing that you hear about a subject, you tend to give it more weight. Right. And so as long as they know that their folks are hearing their... Talking points first. They don't have to worry about them going away. Right. So Blair, so you have, to- I, I don't know if you came up with the phrase
0: or if I joked about it, the recovering Republican.
4: I'm recovering from a lot of things. But yeah, the Republican <laughs> Party is the big one.
0: So, I mean, what what was it primarily that made you consider yourself to be a Republican? Because you were registered Republican for your entire life. Yeah, right?
4: 18 years. Um, so my family is uh, finan- fiscally conservative. So that's the main base for our Republicanism. um. But yeah, I was kind of like a really lackadaisical political fan for a really long time because I was on a lot of drugs and not paying attention to anything else. So anyways, I pull myself out of this, you know, homeless living under a bridge situation and I start paying attention to the news. And of course, at this time, Trump's been president for like six months or no, he's been president. He was inaugurated like the first month I got sober and I was like, okay, maybe he'll do the business thing and maybe pull us out of. And then I was like, wait. I should pay attention to this. So I'm going to mention my father. He, he voted for Trump. I didn't vote in the 2016 election because of obvious reasons. Anyways, um, the Helsinki summit, that was it for me. He totally threw our DOJ and FBI under the bus, agrees with this fucking KGB, ex-KGB agent, just I couldn't do it. So anyways, that was the turning point for so me. So that
0: was the breaking point. That was it. That I do want to say, and it's great because when you mention, like, not to cut you off. Oh, it's fine. It's great. It's great though when you mention, like your state, when you were struggling with drugs and whatnot, your vote counts as much as my vote or the next person's vote. And what I'm getting at is that there's people across this country that have differing, you know, situations for, that they're facing. And I'm not saying you weren't qualified to make a decision. I mean, you can say that, but, (laughs) but, but but my point is, is that there's people that are doing different things in their life. And I've been in a spot. I can only say anything that I criticize someone else about is because of personal experience. It's the only thing. It's a self-reflection that I actually see in you. Yeah. Right. So I've been at a point in my life where I wasn't a educated enough or B was running on just emotion. That's it. And the way that I was making my decisions. Bingo. That was me. So my point is, is that back to what we were talking about where the Republican party And both sides, essentially, the the way the media is driving with entertainment media, is they're getting us to make decisions based primarily on emotion, not based on good strategy or effectiveness.
2: And that's part of the effect of of the dominant Republican talking points across the airwaves is because it gives people who are barely paying attention the sense that they know enough in order to vote responsibly.
1: Right. Well, and, and, and to your point, James, about... Democrats being bad at this, what they have done since the Gingrich crew, but really in the last eight years, is they have been able to whittle this down to team chants, basically. It's a team sport, it's it's tribalism, it's a religion, whatever you want to call it. But the bottom line is, when all you have to do is memorize a 10-word phrase of the day, and that's the talking point, then you've got it going on. Democrats, by nature, are so fragmented because of all their special interests that we all, you know, it's like we can't seem to say, okay, let's just do this, then we'll come back to the special interest that you're involved in. It's No, it's this and this and this, and they're carping at each other and destroying each other. And the DNC seems not to understand that a two-year primary process where you have debates where you're destroying one another is completely playing into the hands in the matrix of what we're trying to do in the real election.
2: Right. Yeah. I'll disagree a little bit on that. Um, I, I, think, <laughs> I think the Democrats, it's not so much that they need to act like the Republicans and have that messaging system because they don't have the infrastructure for that. What the Democrats have failed at is they haven't realized how to how a coalition functions, basically. And the corporate Democrats and the people that have all of the money that have traditionally won the elections because of all that money have shit on everybody else right. in their coalition. And I think that's a big part of where the failing is because the people that I hang out with and a lot of the people that I know are not working within the democratic party and and you say disgusted with it
0: though i agree when you say that it's not doing it the way the republicans do maybe that's a little different in a perspective because essentially what republicans do is they tell their voters they've forgot you do you know what i mean those people have forgotten you and so even though they don't vote they make them vote against their better interests because they're incompetent they, they tell them that like oh you farmers and you you know Workers or whatnot, these that you've lost your jobs, like in coal and things like that. We're gonna we're gonna take care of you, even though they know that that's a death to that kind of industry. You
2: well, know? Repu- you know? a big part of the Republican argument is not so much what they have to offer; it's just pointing out the
0: it's that the other time the other team has screwed you over. It's the other yeah,
2: the other team has screwed you over, and it's a winning message, right? I mean, so it's hard to argue against that. So yeah. let's, they win yeah, 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 when yeah, people want, don't want, show
1: up. I want to come back though. I want to come back to the to our disagreement about the debates when you start out with 20 candidates a year before the first primary and you have people donating millions and millions of dollars that are going to go nowhere quite frankly because the media today is not the media of even 10 years ago so where is the 15 million dollar you know, budget going that you're raising? Are you going to do an ad? Where are you placing that ad? What are you saying? It's, it's all a giant load of craziness right now that the DNC, if they really had their act together... They'd go back to almost what you're talking about with star voting. I mean, some of the things that you like. Let's run some primaries. Let's see who actually wins the primaries and then get behind it. We have a year. Do it. Do it then.
2: So the way I view the 20 candidates, I mean, you look at what happened in 2016. The reason Trump was able to win was because they had a smorgasbord of clowns up there (laughs) every single week getting the attention. And the Democrats are getting that right now. And I think that's to their benefit. I don't think the infighting is so much of a detriment as it is it gets the word out that people are out there and they have a different message and it's going to get people involved now all the money that each of those campaigns bring in and they're spending is actually going mostly to contact certain voters in whatever method it goes it might be advertising it might be boots on the ground whatever the case may be more voters are getting contacted and that means more engage- better for more, more, more engagement engaged, better for more, the democrats if you
0: invest your heart into voting in the primary and your candidate loses we saw with bernie that people didn't then support him in the in the general but i think sometimes it
2: will engage <coughs> enough to where they can see some of the similarities they tend to stick around that's okay, the look, thing even I'm, if your candidate fails in the primary <laughs> you've at least paid attention to other candidates that were out there and you're you feel more engaged and more committed to the process so there were actually more people that stuck around and voted right. even though bernie didn't stick even though bernie wasn't in it they still stuck around even even the number of people within the democratic party like for people that dem exited or were near the messaging of people that were dem exiting it was a very small number of people that actually left the democratic party because of the bullshit right. that happened right and for the most part most people stayed in the party. Right.
1: So I, I have to come back to this, only because, again, I'm, I'm an advertising marketing type of guy, and I see how this stuff works. If you're so-
0: listening, every time Pat says <clears throat> that he's a brand, broadcaster marketing guy,
1: take a drink. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because the fact is, I'm going to keep bringing this pragmatic view back to it. So they just released the quarterly, uh, yep. er, you know, donation reports, right? Yeah, everybody's excited about the fact that Bernie and and Elizabeth beat uh, and and Pete actually beat Biden, right? But what I looked at was down at the bottom, you still have people giving two million two million, three, three million, six million to people that don't have a chance in holy hell of being elected. Now Coming from a Rotarian standpoint and knowing what $2 million could do to any local program that actually did some good to solve problems. This is insane. This is DMC
0: driven. Because wouldn't that be, like, say that you live in Pennsylvania, okay? And there's a senator that is running for president. And instead, you donate the money and he goes and does a ribbon cutting of opening a new school. Don't you think that that would score enough points for you other than him flying? I understand that when you're running on a national... So, like, you use the president as a national platform to do
2: something for your own freaking state.
0: Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a way that it could get you some... I don't know.
2: Well, you got to look at those numbers. If, if you look down at the number of small donors yeah. that are in there, it ain't very much. So it's the it's the big donors who are giving a lot of that money to those candidates. And they're they're. it's probably them peppering... Money to all of the candidates. So we're
1: getting, except, except Marianne Williamson was actually third from the bottom. We don't have with ta- three don't million have, dollars. Yeah. I'm, don't I'm even, even, This is insane. about this
0: is about impeachment. Marianne Williamson is a no, no,
1: a, no. Where I'm going with this? Where I'm going with this whole process? And to bring it full circle back to impeachment, is that when you have a political plat or political uh, landscape, it is so confusing and insane it's so easy for their side if you want to call it their side and most importantly and we'll keep coming back to this people in the middle that in between the people in the middle it's so easy for them to say look these guys don't have their act together they're, they're crazy why should i get behind them and it could be just a bunch of gen up stuff for pol- political reasons we have to keep our eye specifically on what this is about in regards to the impeachment and my concern is during this entire process for the next year and a half or next year actually now we're going to have this same circus going yeah. on with yeah. the DNC right it doesn't do us any good so
0: back to the, you know the whole situation that we're facing currently with the impeachment process the text messages that just dropped are the, the, the this should be the smoking gun because you know, where's my nose?
4: How many smoking guns do we need though? like <laughs> America America's got
0: a lot of guns so <laughs> yeah. so the they're analysis. looking for the quid quid pro quo quo, and realistically, it's, they're not going to get it because Trump by design, he's smart enough to know that you don't come out and say something flat out. So the text message is unfortunately, the reality is is that every news outlet is saying, and this is maybe defending his argument, but everybody is saying that. Okay, now, basically, because it's interactions between a state department, like a diplomat talking to the people from Ukraine, the text messages, and it's like, basically, one of them says, you know, we don't, how does it, how,
1: how did it go? Like, with the quid pro quo? Like... As, no, 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 no. The, the, there was basically the chain of, of, of emails was very much laying out the quid pro quo, and then I can't remember which one it was. One that,
0: of the guys corrected it and well, said, no, like,
1: said, "Well, no, he said, and we need to stop texting this because right. he knew right away this is not good stuff." Because he
0: said yeah. that nowhere did he say that he was actually going to have the quid pro quo. I can't true. say that.
1: Yeah, they didn't. They didn't specifically
2: say those things, and they knew it. Like there was like a five-hour window between one of the messages that would have explicitly pulled out the request for a quid pro right. quo, and he said, if you want to talk about this, let's do it outside of a text See, message. But in the so optics, they know what's going on. The yeah.
0: optics, though, and Trump says, I've been exonerated because it says right there that we weren't trying to do this. Right. You know, and so, to a lot of people, that's all they're going to hear. Well, and, that-
2: the, and, and the thing is, is the courts ruled a number of years ago, not that many years ago, but that for quid pro quo like it has to be explicit right and I mean political corruption has run rampant ever since but but yeah they they've said it has to be explicit like you have to get the money exchanging hands there if there's a third party in between it, Sorry. And that's the thing. No quid that's pro quo. That,
0: uh, unfortunately, that's the thing is, is that even though you can read between the lines as any logical person, it's easy enough for you to say, no, because they never actually flatly said, we're going to do this in exchange for this. Okay, yeah.
1: let, let's let's back up on one very important point. I don't know if anybody saw Susan Rice last night. She was on a couple of the talk shows. She's in, a in, former
0: in, national security advisor. Yeah, she was on she Rachel is Maddow. She the
1: bomb. Talk about somebody that should run for office. My God, what an intelligent woman. Anyway, she's been right in the middle of these these kinds of things and she keeps pointing out on every show she's been on that the original thing that is impeachable is not the quid pro quo, it's right. the asking. So let's put that into two boxes. Sure. You don't need the quid pro quo. That's a Republican talking point. It is not the, impe- the, the initial impeachable defense. It has to do with asking a foreign power to help you for personal benefit, which,
0: period. Which Trump then did has been on doing. the lawn <laughs> yeah. with China, which is, I, and I watched that episode because you had told me to in the second run on Rachel Maddow, and then she had talked about, and this is the first time on the podcast I've quoted Rachel Maddow, <laughs> but she had talked about how A year ago, maybe or maybe two years ago, Hillary Clinton was on her show and she had said, what would it look like if a Democrat incited China to then work on the 2020 election and just came and did it behind the the scenes and said China we need you to investigate Trump to make him look bad so that we can use that in our election. The Republicans would shit their pants, right? They would, I mean, that was exactly what Hillary said, shit their pants.
2: Yeah, no, we no, need to, but, we also need to be clear about where the issue lies here because I think the media distorts where the problem is. It's not the quid pro quo that's the problem. It's the personal benefit. Yes. And it's, it's a campaign finance violation. Right. And where that happens. Um, it's not just corruption. It's not just uh, asking for something because I don't know if you guys all saw Biden's um, video that surfaced. It's on. It's a C-SPAN video. Uh, the headline is and the um, written remarks with it is garbage because it wasn't written by C-SPAN. But right, it was oh, basically yeah, Biden. That. Yeah, it was basically Biden saying, you know, I, to- I told Ukraine you're not getting the money. If you don't fire the prosecutor and it looks really bad if you think that the messaging behind what Trump did was wrong was asking Ukraine to do that <clears throat> and not that it was for a personal right. reason.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, the, the huge difference there is that he was working by orders of the White House and the State Department to up, you know uproot the kind of craziness that was going on in the Ukraine at that point We were trying to help Ukraine. So he was making a statement. He wasn't running for office He had no reason to make that statement whatsoever Outside of this is the job we're getting done. So again, well, he's potentially helping his son though I mean, that's that's the viewpoint of it. Yeah, he was
2: he was we'll getting get a prosecutor fired who was looking into his son and that's where people see oh there's corruption there and yeah he came out in public and he says it like you know that it's there so if people think that the reason trump is getting impeached is because of something similar to that right. that's where the problem lies right. because they're going to say well biden got away with it and right. this is and where that, the republican messaging is going that's why they're so focused on what happened that, with and hunter that, and them because they're going to muddy those waters and then general public is going to tune out and they're just going to say, oh, this is a political issue. And Wait, that's Trump's exactly kids it. are any better. Oh, <laughs> well, exactly.
0: But that's the thing is we dance back and forth between, you know, the actual crime committed and then the political ramifications because it's been shown repeatedly because we're literally talking about this one issue that Trump has done now with two because if you add what he said about China on the South Lawn, literally like if China, we need you to look into it as well, which is insanity that he did it in, in the open, which was when my notes that i wanted to basically touch on the fact that if he's doing it it's treason i mean it is absolutely treason but if he's doing it in the open the political ramifications seem to be lessened that we've never seen anything
1: like this no what, what what we have i saw a great article i think it was in the atlantic two days ago that talks about the real genius of donald trump and that is that he simply lies so frequently that it becomes normalized and so every single thing that's come out of this this rebuttal of of facts that are irrefutable quite frankly is that it's just turning a lie, turning a lie, turning a lie, then the rest of his his goons turn the same lie, go on, and they sound better. I mean, everybody sounds better than Donald Trump, in reality. The guy is scrambled. He can barely put sentences together. He had to scramble to come up with Ukraine in one of the statements he made. It was like,
0: wow, Donald. But he didn't even know what country it you know, was. He's yeah, like,
1: he's like frizzle fried. It's However, di- it's, he, di- it's diet Russia, is well, what it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> but the, the problem is... is is that his goons are much better at it. And now we have basically our official joker in Giuliani, who yesterday said, my role is to screw up the world, basically. That's not his exact words, but it was to disrupt and blow up the world, whatever. This is so clear to anybody that steps back and forgets about politics and just says what in god's name is going on over there and now we have heads of state all around the the world saying what in god's name is going on over there right
4: <laughs> well there's this thing that really pisses me off as you know i'm just a i'm a housewife i'm a stay-at-home mom right now and watching all of this chaos ensue all I can think is, why is it okay for a world leader who has access to all of the resources in the whole entire world to do whatever the fuck they want to? Why does he get to do whatever the fuck he wants? Why isn't anybody holding him accountable?
2: It's the Republican media machine.
4: Exactly. They back and, up yeah. every
2: single lie that he says. Like it's If ridiculous. you're a Republican and you only digest Fox News and conservative radio... You don't believe that he lies as much as he has.
4: Alex Jones was frequent when I was working with my grandfather, so that... Is so true. I can attest to that being a victim of that. What is it? What is it? The um,
0: emoluments clause. Yes. Where where, I mean, essentially, this is ironic because with Trump, what you've seen all the way along is its projection. Everything that he accuses anyone of, it's because he's guilty of it. Like I had mentioned earlier about personal accountability. If I'm calling someone else out, that's because I know that I have done that in my own. Like I can. It's not me being a dick. Now with him using it, he's literally (laughs) deflecting.
1: From himself, it's what he does. No, this, this is this goes clear back to Roy Cohn and how he was taught by Roy Cohn, who, who
0: defended McCarthy. Yeah, 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 mind you. So
1: let, let's 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 hear it. We're starting to sound very much like Democrats and and, oh. and progressives, to be honest with you, because sure. we're actually in the weeds now with all of these different matrices of what we think. There are two things that are going to come out, in my estimation. This is again thinking like a marketing guy, take a drink. Um, <laughs> because because there's two things that are going to be big big trouble that nobody on the other side's talking about. Volker is the guy. Volker came out and absolutely laid out a clear and uncertain track to how this happened, why it happened, and the fact that it's illegal. And I'm guessing there's loads of things that he did behind uh, doors that we don't know about that will gonna come, come out. out. Oh yeah, well, so it will or will not. The second one are these text messages because the chain is very specific. It is under the behest of the White House and the State Department that they're doing this. And the one guy says, "I'm out of breath. I'm so excited." <laughs> now the one guy says. Uh, are you sure we should be holding this this stuff hostage? I mean this this support hostage? are you sure right I mean that and that was way before the guy said oh let's take this off off the roll. I'm sorry, but that stuff is now evidence. It's right. big time
2: So I wanted to go ahead Jim. it was well it's it's clear that Trump was doing this for his personal benefit and going back to the emoluments clause that you mentioned, like I think Trump should have been impeached shortly after he got into office because of the emoluments clause. Right. Yeah. And that's really where I think the Democrats need to focus because this is just more reinforcement of him using the office for political purposes in political gain right. or personal gain in any way that he it's can. Literally, just And the more that they look into his contacts with every other heads of state, I think they're going to find more and more of that. Right. It's not that he's um, twisting their arm. I mean, all presidents will communicate with other heads of state and coerce them into doing what they want sure right it, and for but the, how many do it for personal gain that's where the, the problem or for, is exactly because a president
0: is going to do that for the benefit of the american people and yeah and Suppose. he's clearly
2: been serving in office to make himself and his family richer I mean, almost everything he's done has been to that end.
1: My belief, and again, this is a prognostication, and we'll see, this is worth another $20 bet. (laughs) My belief is that when this thing is over, when this election is over, and he will lose, I do believe he's going to lose, the Southern District of New York has been sitting on boatloads of issues. Oh, yeah, he will be tried. He will be tried. His family's going to go down. This stuff, I mean, the, the very fact that Ivanka is benefiting from everything she does she gets the only trademark out of china during a time when everybody else is being tariffed hello her
4: husband's a piece of shit too well now
2: that's (laughs) the ivanka situation though isn't much different than the hunter biden situation no no
4: exactly but we're gonna get into that in a little bit
2: so i really want to get to the to
0: the audience submissions so i had done some social media promotion of this and on twitter i had an audio submission from a guy named jeremy cummings who it you know i don't know him personally but through a friend of ours aaron he uh he had asked me if he could be a guest on the impeachment episode and i said well we kind of have a full panel but i told him but you're not out of luck i want to include you because I, my thing with the, the podcast is i want to try to build community that's how all three of you guys are here hadn't met each other because this you guys are big supporters of this in different ways and so I'm going to play that in a minute, but first, one of your friends, Facebook friends, James, uh, her name is Jenny Lynch. She had a question. It's more of a statement, but what could be done? What law could be made to prevent presidents from pardoning the past presidents? Because with Nixon, Gerald Ford took over because the vice president had to step down as well. Spiro Agnew, correct? Yes. And so Gerald Ford, who's Homer Simpson, he (laughs) had to then, as a lame duck president, he pardoned Richard Nixon, right before he stepped down or he he was out of office, meaning so you couldn't try him. Now, what you were just talking about is in the Southern District of New York, that's state charges that has nothing to do. It's not the lock her up chance that you're going to see from the Colt 45. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that he actually broke the law repeatedly, and he's going to be held accountable, not for political reasons, but because it's against the, you know, he's ripping off More importantly, the the rest of his
1: family is going to go down, and the foundation and everything else. I mean, this is the kind of thing that the average Trump supporter, the 33%, just turns a blind eye to. To him, it's just great business. This is just smart business. And it sucks because
0: the long-term repercussions of this, I mean, fortunately, and this is going to be a harsh-sounding statement, but the dinosaurs will die in that the baby boomer generation will die i mean i hate to say it because why you're part are you looking
1: it. at me when you say <laughs>
0: that?
1: yeah i'm really offended right
0: but that but that demographic my father included who i love to death you know be, despite our differences we can forget about it and be respectful because we have a bigger relationship than just politics surprisingly but you know that generation will die off and the youth has a much different attitude but that's a whole different issue
2: so the technical answer to jenny's question would be uh you need to change the constitution to it, limit the pardoning powers of the president. Would it be another
4: amendment or an article to an already existing one?
2: Well, it would be an amendment. Okay. Everything's everything's an amendment to the Constitution. Oh yeah, that's at this
4: right. right. How many are we up to now? Like twenty-seven.
0: I mean, there's 32? only there's only one that matters, and it's the not same. I know. Twenty-five.
4: Yeah, no, there's not, I know. Enough. <laughs> not enough.
0: At this point, the only one, one that matters is number two. I got to make a
4: joke about my dad, the Trump supporter. When I left the party, he's like, "It took you that long? Yeah, sorry."
0: Right. The so Jeremy Cummings, this is kind of a long clip and I think he did a good job. We're gonna to touch on it and you know he's he's just uh, not just he's an audience member found us through Twitter. Uh, you know I think it's it's really neat that he did this. This is the first time we've had this done and I'm gonna have in the liner notes or the show notes I'll put a way that you can submit different things for topics in the future and I'll make that more accessible for people. but I'm gonna go ahead and play this. So this is Jeremy Cummings.
5: Hello, my name is Jeremy Cummings. I'm an entrepreneur and a musician and I've been registered as an independent since the day I could vote. And I want to lay out a few reasons why I think impeaching President Trump is a bad idea. First reason is that if Donald Trump is impeached, Mike Pence will be president. I don't think people remember that. And Mike Pence is dangerous because he's going to restructure the legal system to make America a theocracy and enforce Christian values through law and policing. Nobody wants that, and nobody's talking about how impeaching Donald Trump is making Mike Pence president. So that's the first reason. The second is that I think it's just a really weak case that they have for impeachment. If you compare it to ones in the past, like Richard Nixon, where they had clear recordings of him explicitly saying, spy on my political opponents, or you uh, compare it to Bill Clinton, where everybody knew he was philandering, and he lied about it, and that's what they got him for. Um, This is just weak. This is based on hearsay. This evidence, depending on your political leanings, it, you know, your political leanings decide what this evidence says. And to me, that makes this a weak case for impeachment. And if the Democrats are going to move forward with it, I think it's going to backfire and delegitimize them further in the eyes of many American people. And that transitions perfectly into the third point. I think the most likely outcome of pursuing this impeachment is going to be a further delegitimization of the American government and further destabilization of our country. Because there's already a legitimacy crisis. Nobody has faith in the government. Nobody, in particular right now, me, I am losing faith in the the Democratic Party because they're doing all this ridiculous stuff rather than pursuing meaningful legislation while they have a majority in the House. And I think they could do a lot more to, to fight against inequality, corruption, and climate change against other things. I think they could do much better than impeachment to fight for those goals. And so the, there's the legitimacy crisis, and then also the stability crisis. Um, because people, people are complaining about the country being divided, and everyone fighting with each other. But despite that, the, the, the Democrats are doing basically nothing to restabilize this country and reunify us. They're only pouring fuel on the fire. They're only saying ridiculous, sometimes clearly false stuff to attack the Republicans and attack the president. And I did not, I did not vote for Donald Trump in 2016, and I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump in 2020. But I also do not think he should be impeached for all these reasons I just said. I love America, and I want America to last a long time. And I think an impeachment right now is going to be bad for America's longevity and everyone's well-being. I just want us to survive in longevity and prosperity, and I think impeachment right now will take us the opposite direction. So, there it is. Thank you for including me in your show.
0: So before we pick apart the, and unpack all of the, the message that Jeremy left, I want to thank him for submitting it. And yes, the one downside of him not being present is that a lot of the stuff's going to get picked apart. Jeremy, we appreciate you and your, your input is, is valid, you know, but we're going to start with Pence and with the Pence situation, you know, he's actually not in the clear himself yet. So when Jeremy gave us this or gave me this uh, audio clip, it was a week ago. So the second weak case argument, you know, a lot more information has come out. The text messages have come out, which is, we've called it the smoking gun or whatever, but there's a lot more evidence. And so it'd be interesting to hear if Jeremy still has that same stance. You guys, I'm going to give you a a chance to talk about this, but I'll cover it real quick. The third, uh, the destabilization of the country because the Democrats are not writing any legislation is just not true because the Democrats have constantly passed bills through the House, through... Uh, They won in 2018, they won the House, and Mitch McConnell refuses to sign anything into law. I mean, there's been legislation on, I think, guns, infrastructure, all kinds of stuff that is just being ignored. So to to assume that nothing is being done, I think, is a gross misunderstanding of the way that the process works through the House, the Senate, and then, you know, the veto power or signing legislation for
2: the president. So who wants to start? I've got a... I'll address each of his seven points that I counted on there. Um, and I think I do appreciate his voice because, as he stated, he's an independent. But I think based on the direction that he's coming from, I think we can speculate as to where his he gets his media from. Um, I think point number one, Pence. I think he makes a good point there. Pence has a lot of issues that any good... Uh, basically any, any American should be concerned about if you're interested in the separation of church and state, there's a lot of things behind Pence that got him into the position he's at that is backed by this, uh, the, the hard Christian right. And so there's a, there's a lot of concern if Pence were to take over your point, I think was that Pence is kind of implicated in this and that kind of, uh, makes it harder for him to step in and take over and be successful. Um, I'm not quite so sure just because of the, the Republican media machine behind him. But we've got to deal with what's in front of us. You know, we don't ignore what Trump has done and what he's doing because we're afraid of the person behind him. We've got to deal with each person right. as they come. That's always so that what doesn't I thought stop our ar- argument. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it doesn't stop us uh, from having to make that case for impeachment. Number two, um, he claims there's a weak case for impeachment. I think there's been a strong case for impeachment months after trump took office
0: right like weak case in this situation because there's a plethora
2: right and this is and this is where i think his media consumption is what betrays his point of view if you only hear or if you or if you spend any amount of time listening to the conservative media you might buy into the argument that that this is a weak case of impeachment because they're going to narrowly focus on directly what's in front of them right now and not the whole case that's been built up with all of the crap that keeps continuing to build and build and build.
1: Let, let's give this kid a, a break, too. As Patrick said, in the last week, everything's changed. Exactly. That, well, when, he submitted this, when he submitted this, it was really hooking on a couple of minor points. Trump himself has gone out of his way to make this far more clear.
2: Right. So, so yeah, yeah, and I'd say it, I'd say it's only changed in regards to this particular issue it, yes. as far as building the case for impeachment. I think there's been a case for a long time, I agree. although although that that's been in the minority as far as Congress. It's
1: also right? not the yeah. it's also not the actual articles that they're bringing forward. So yes, we all agree the guy's a scumbucket and he's done all kinds of things. But in this case, the articles of impeachment will likely be hinging on this exact point that's happened over the last two weeks yeah so So, number three
2: he says that this delegitimizes democrats i disagree there i think the democrats sitting on their hands and allowing all of this crap to happen throughout trump's term so far has been what delegitimizes exactly their leadership has been feckless and this is finally them standing up and what we will see is the democrats actually finding relief in them Finally standing up and you're going to see we saw a blue wave in 2018. That wasn't because of the um, exceptional leadership of the Democrats, in my opinion. I think people were just so fed up with what they saw with Trump. And now what they're seeing is if the Democrats do make an effort, you're going to see the Democrats stand up and help support.
0: I mean, those there is some justice in
1: Democrats
2: in 2018 that shined. But, yeah, that's a different story.
0: We can well, be.
1: But again, you know, the most help we're going to get is actually to come from fence sitting or people that have moral compasses on the republican side. Yes. What we've seen in the last 2 days is some of these republican uh senators take in congressmen taking serious heat from their constituency of how can you just keep sitting quietly and not saying anything? That's important. That's been their real uh tactic in the last week is just to remain silent. They're they're all on you know they're all on vacation quote unquote but man when everybody comes back it's going to be very interesting right
2: and it's more than just the republican side it's all the people who generally don't pay much attention and this is where the value of the impeachment process actually getting into it is is because people are going to wake up it's not just going to be oh i kind of hear this and i kind of hear that and i'm not paying i don't pay enough attention so i'm just going to tune it out as political uh, rhetoric when we have an actual investigation and things are coming out, those are the people that are going to actually hear what's going on. And hopefully they're going to pay attention and it'll affect their voting.
4: It'll be really nice to see him go down for his crimes because I'm sick of seeing people with money not getting convicted of anything. The law not applying to people who have money is really getting to me.
1: <laughs> you, must, you must have really enjoyed the last two... Um jail sentences for the people that got their kids into college. And I I can't wait to see Lori Laughlin because if the, the matrix for, for sentencing happens, she's going to be in there for 40 years. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck with that.
2: Right. So his point number four, delegitimizes the government. Um, we've been on that track for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Really everything. We've got an undermining of our media. We've got an undermining of our government. I mean, Basically, and I've talked about this on the podcast, People don't have trust in their media. They don't have trust in their politicians. They don't have trust in the police. They don't have trust in their military. They don't have trust in almost everything that undergirds our whole society. Right, so so that's, it's already know, been happening.
0: So that's not changing by removing a president Correct. that is limit destroying our democracy. Correct. Like destroying, dismantling every day the fiber of trust in our government. Because for a lot of the people in this country, so this is the thing. It's like we can have differing views, but do the people that so there's a lot of people. That hated Obama right and I don't want it to be a false equivalence with Trump it's not fair but that being said when does it become like one of the reasons I didn't support Hillary was because so many people hated her like when does it become a point where we all can agree like this guy's a decent guy You know, Bernie Sanders, one of the things in 2016 is people like my father were like, Bernie, is you know, he's got some different views, different strategies I may not agree with, but he's a good guy. That's the kind of people we need in office. You might not agree with their strategy and you'll roll your eyes until it fucking benefits you, like Medicare for all will. But until we actually elect people that we can unify and agree that they're decent human beings, we're fucked.
2: Well, yeah, it's it's just, I mean, behind Bernie, it's just that he's honest. I mean, he he gets people's respect because they may not agree with him, but they know that He's speaking his own truth. And he's I
4: think, so consistent.
0: I think with Obama, the numbers were so small on how many people thought that his character was weak. Look at what John McCain said about him. Now, with Trump, anyone that can look you in the eyes and say that he's a good person is lying to themselves.
1: Okay, again, we're, we're stating the obvious. I, I mean, I, th- I think in this situation, the very fact that many of us, in fact, myself last night, when I was watching Susan Rice, she said the difference between this administration in eight years of Obama is that he was a decent man, a good family man, an honest man. And I literally got a lump in my throat of, of thinking back, man, do I miss that concept?
0: Just to remind people of yeah. it, I went to Costco a while ago and I grabbed a stack of Michelle Obama's books and I went up to anyone with
2: a camouflage hat and I put it in their cart.
4: <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, yeah.
2: One one side note regarding Michelle Obama. I was at the uh, DNC convention in Philadelphia and she got up to speak and there was just this sense, like I'm I'm a huge Bernie guy and I was there for Bernie, but when she got up to speak and I knew that Hillary had the nomination clinched, as she was speaking, I was just thinking, why can't it be her? Yeah, because everybody respects her right and, and it's
0: not everybody because when she said that the White House 12. was built by slaves and then now she gets to live in it Which was an honor is what she meant. You remember Bill yeah. O'Reilly was like what a scumbag. <laughs> How could he say that it was built? This is the Trump. irony this I just want to say this because yesterday Trump was speaking to an african-american crowd and what did he say? He's like well, a lot of people don't know this but black people built America it's like that is a blatant slap in the face to anybody that's African American. Yeah, because they were forced to. Do you
2: I don't, know, like I don't even know if Trump realizes though that that's the case. No. And so when Michelle Obama
0: made that we're we're getting yeah I want to touch on we haven't when you have this discussion. We really need to at least address what is being what Joe Biden is being accused of in this. And I do think that this will end Joe Biden, even though he may not. The media has decided he's innocent, which I don't agree with. That he's innocent in this, we don't know completely, but his political chances are done, in my opinion.
2: So I I kind of agree, but for a different reason. Um. Joe is, he hasn't done anything that basically any other privileged, rich, white, old guy hasn't done. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as protecting his son and and all that kind of stuff. Um, the issue is, is that we're sick of it. I mean, right. now that it's exposed, people are going to go, okay, that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to stop. Right. You know, and it's so, not so much that he did something that was technically bad because it clearly wasn't. He was out and about it at the time. Yeah, it's just I, that people I, are, are done with it.
1: This is where you and I agree. I, I think that, and, and and Patrick, to a degree, yeah. I wrote a post on Cranky Old Guy yesterday, day before yesterday, about, and now there's only one? and it was right after bernie's heart attack but what it comes down to is this like it or not his son is not Bo. Bo was everything that everybody wanted to believe is good about the biden family and everything that's great this kid like it or not benefited greatly from being his but, father's I mean, son what about eric trump no, uh, no, 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 trans- no, 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 look, no, no, now know. you're, now you're doing a Democrat thing yeah. again, okay, what look, aboutism. no, no, I, and this is where James and I agree, we are sick of the top, top, top tier who are supposedly making laws for the entire world benefiting from their offices,
0: no, but I think it matters to an extent to, like Blair had mentioned earlier about The Trump family. And I don't want to play whataboutism, but the reality is, is Hunter Bow is implicated in doing these questionable deals that he probably got the positions because of his last name.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter if they're questionable or not. You're missing the point. So James is saying that we're done. We are done with that concept. So if these kids
0: are benefiting, I I get that. I get that argument. And I think it's good. I think it's sound.
4: Why you know, do we care about Hunter? Trump is actually in office fucking shit up right, with really right. terrible children.
1: No, no, this, this is, okay, get but, ready to drink one more time, folks. <laughs> Here we go. This is what it's about. It's about the matrix of the average American voter. And right. that's all it comes down to. It's all knee-jerk, it's all first impression, just as you said, James. And we are now at a place where Biden has lost the juice that he had. That's what I'm and saying. And his only thing he can say is I, you know, me and Barack, me and Barack, me and Barack, I'm a good guy. We need to change. We all agree with that part. Well, de- but now what are you going to do? But now this part with his son is undeniable. Not just in Ukraine, but in China and other places. This guy is has become Become a multi-millionaire because he is his right. son. Well, the son and, of and honestly,
0: this is my stance on it. This and I wish it was this easy because James always talks about this is what, how success in politics should be James talks about it a lot coalition building and then with coalition building and I forgot my second point and I'm going to pull a Rick Perry no, <laughs> no but coalition building is basically it and then essentially can't we concede that's what it was there's coalition building and a little bit of concession you have to make concessions to make people meet in the middle and so can't we just trade Joe Biden for Donald Trump can't you run John Kasich, Republicans? Come on now. That's you know, nice. <laughs> it's not too late. Was it, When was it that Donald Trump announced in 2015? January?
1: No, no, no. The RNC is already starting to that, blow out the primaries. I, so yeah, I know that they're
0: all doing. in. I mean, there's a couple yeah. Republicans running. I mean, Bill Weld is a nutcase, but still. They've already canceled four primaries yeah. on the GOP side. Yeah, so. <laughs> which, it. that should tell you something. If I mean, they're not going to hold a primary. Presidents do run contested. In their second term, it does happen. It's short lived the primaries because they're mathematically excluded. But they give in the past, they would give the voters at least a chance to hold them accountable if they didn't do a good job in
2: the first term. So I want to make this point about uh, Hunter Biden and why it hurts Joe. Why did Hillary lose to Trump? (laughs) Hillary lost to Trump because when any time somebody would point out something bad about Trump, it was butt Hillary. Emails. It was but Hillary. Yeah. Her emails, her speeches, lock, her corruption. Her they had a 20-year smear campaign against her, even with a bunch of crap. But it gave them stuff to say, But Hillary. That's what just happened with Hunter Biden. Because when you point out Eric Trump, but Hunter. That's, that's the argument now. Absolutely. So you do not have that argument as to why we need to get rid of Trump. Because you're not putting forth somebody who has a family that can be any better.
1: Everybody thought they got to drink when I said, you know, it's an ad agency (laughs) thing. No, no. Listen to that and then take your drink and put it down again.
0: We don't uh, encourage drinking, by
4: the way. (laughs) My big thing with Biden that scares the shit out of me is with this next election and all the stuff that's going down with Trump right now is the party floppers are going to vote for him because he's so close to what they already are going for as far as, you know, Talking points, etc. Yeah. I've lost my train of thought. You're good.
1: You're good. Something about that side of the room. There, there, there's like a vortex. Everybody's losing their train of thought. So it's
4: the magnetic waves. Yeah, it's all no. Good. But seriously, party floppers going to Biden. That's what scares the shit out of me because those people are the ones that go to the. I don't voting. think he's going to be
0: there. I think Iowa. You know, we've gone this long without mentioning Elizabeth Warren,
1: but she will be the next president. So let's go ahead and and um, uh, no, no, so, look, look, look. I'm going to go back to what we said the last time we talked, and I'm going to stand by this. The only poll that matters right now is the first three primaries and it's iowa nevada it's Bernie. Sh- bernie won nevada it, it, it doesn't matter what it hasn't he happened did yet, but okay that's the point this this is where we are right now and the reason that i'm not on for bernie is there's two reasons that we can get into later on because I, I see you're giving me dagger eyes i'm jumping ahead but the bottom line is that when these primaries happen, we will see what's really going on. These polls, they're, the, the sample sizes are so small. They're ridiculous. But they're news. And that's what it's all about. Right. They're news.
0: And they don't report. That's The news even, is about omission. Even the
1: fundraising bit. It's, it's such a crack of hooey because the bottom line is it doesn't really matter at this point. You can't do anything to move that needle until maybe December, mid-December, late December. There's no specific media. There's no, you know, you're saying it's boots on the ground and those kinds of things. That makes a difference. But let's not forget that, in fact, Donald Trump won that election in the last three weeks of the of the cycle because Hillary went on to do a coronation celebration in Philadelphia with Beyonce while our good buddy, Mark, ran that campaign hardcore using social media in the last three weeks in the five states that she had lost or come close to losing well, to Bernie, and she lost the election in those five states. And Jim states.
0: Comey. And Jim Comey coming out, you know, I was literally filling out my ballot and watching the news when he said that he was opening the investigation into Hillary. And I—I I, well, like I had mentioned before, I know Jim Comey opening that up was terrible. So then I sealed the envelope, put it in the mail, and then two or three days later, they're like, never mind. We're oh, going to forget about that. But people didn't hear that second part.
2: Uh, I mean, Jim Comey was just another... Yeah, It, it was just one more thing. There was a hundred things it wrong was with the Hillary's stra- campaign. Yes, it was the strong... And it, it, it really, back. any one of those hundred things, she could have done better and won that. Right. That, that's really what it comes down so to.
1: Brad, Brad Parscale. I'm going to keep saying that name until people actually pay attention. He's the guy that ran that last three weeks particularly well, using all of Facebook's folks at his disposal, and Hillary had the exact same option and did not take well, it. Well,
0: social media with Brad Perskel and Russia. I mean, absolutely. No,
1: how are you, However you want to look at it, the bottom line is there was a ton of people sitting on the fence in those five states, a ton. So to wrap to wrap it up, I want
2: to mention this. It go, go ahead. It was more than just those three weeks. Uh, the, the Trump campaign... Actually, they, there was a lot of brilliance to it. They made a concerted effort to tamp down the black American turnout. And they did that way before those three weeks in social media. They actually hired black people to get out there and get into the communities. And, and some of them were Bernie people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they, they basically flipped the guy that was driving around in a bus doing uh it was it was this big huge bus with like blacks for bernie and the guy the guy was cool we met him and because of the dnc stuff they turned to that guy mm-hmm. and they got him they convinced him that trump was going to be the guy to help him and he went around in in all these major black areas and he just convinced people look uh don't vote for hillary it wasn't so much that like i understand maybe you can't vote for trump but just don't vote Right. And that's where we had that depressed As a protest turnout vote. and Absolutely. that was a huge huge effect.
1: Absolutely. And I felt no, for think, it too. I think a non-vote in that situation was as dangerous or more dangerous yeah. than an actual vote i gotta say
0: my friend hannah was riding me she's like i know you don't like hillary i know you don't like hillary but you have to do it you have to do it and i regret it because in hindsight in Oregon it didn't matter and so i knew that but that being said i still hold i still regret it because i think about the supreme court and i think about how i was on facebook making a protest and essentially it's something i learned because there is Progress is slow, and this is the lesson that we learned from that election. We we're not trying to reiterate the 2016. It's going to be painful till the day we die, which for Pat is a lot sooner than the, the other ones. But,
4: <laughs> but so wow, so,
1: so ages, and you guys are Bernie supporters. You're an ages. yeah. We didn't get a chance to <laughs> 20 talk. Twenty years about... younger than Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So
0: we didn't get a chance to talk about Bernie's health. We wish him well. I am worried about the ramifications that it's going to have on the campaign, because to a lot of people. That might be the the nail in the coffin. Do you
4: guys know the difference between a heart attack and a cardiac arrest?
0: Uh, I mean, he he had a heart attack. He
4: had a heart attack. Do you guys know the difference? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A cardiac arrest. I'm your whole. Five. Of course. I, I know mean, the I don't. You just called us ageists, so I didn't yeah. want to go there again. What is the difference? So a heart attack is when one part of your heart. Kind of essentially starts to die, i.e. the blockage that Bernie had. Uh, cardiac arrest is when your whole entire heart stops beating. So what happened is totally like it's for standard. somebody for his age, it's a standard thing. Like right. here's, and I said this on I think on your page. If RBG can fight cancer and beat it every single year, I'm pretty sure that Bernie can deal with some heart stuff. The man is a beast.
2: Well, uh, what was it? Vampire Cheney. You know, had <laughs>
4: yes, exactly. multiple
2: like four heart attacks.
4: Yes, and and, and
2: heart surgeries. <sighs> yes. So I think this is where campaigns But I don't matter. think a single vote was ever cast for Cam- Cheney. Campaigns matter. Um I mean Cheney was VP, so there were votes right. cast mm-hmm. But but campaigns matter. And what there's plenty of time Bernie can come back and show people that his health can have him withstand the rigors of campaigning. Right. And if he if he does that, his campaign will survive. If he doesn't do that, I'm sure he will step aside. I think he, I mean, if know. he Yeah, if his health isn't holding up. Now, here's the thing, too. There could be value in Bernie sticking in it, even if his health fails, because he's going to win delegates, and he's going to be able to give them to Elizabeth Warren right. when the time comes. Right. Because the you know that he knows Biden is the worst option for yeah. going up against trump and for enacting any progressive legislation so i want people to know even if you see bernie sticking around and it doesn't look like he has what it takes to win there is a reason for that last time he stuck around to the convention because he got concessions on the platform he dictated a lot of the platform and that was his goal at that point that was his goal um he continued to campaign That's why on I that think platform almost, He could almost be
0: more successful not winning long term because of the fact that if he wins, he gets demonized. If he doesn't win the, the election in 2020, his legacy will continue on past his life. You I'm, know? I'm just I mean, going to say
1: this as the oldest person in the room. Um, being president takes an incredible amount of energy. And you see it. Um Even Trump is finally letting his hair grow go gray a little bit, but you see these guys age before your eyes, and there 's a reason for it every single day they start with a briefing that would kill most of us well trump doesn 't do that well yeah, we, <laughs> yeah exactly. okay we' we 're all down there but here here 's where we are. My concern with Bernie is that the next and I agree with you that we 'll see where this where this plays out James. I think the next year is going to be extremely important for Bernie uh, in regards to him proving that he's around, but it's one more thing he has to talk about now. And so it's it's one of those things that's going gonna, gonna to take a, a step away from his campaign, no matter how you look at it. Your point about being able to give his votes to Warren is valid. And as far as I'm concerned, they're almost the same candidate in regards to much of Warren's stuff is coming from bernie i mean a lot of her her belief structure is coming from bernie whatever the case is those two are going to be at the top of the heap the rest of this stuff is silly, and I don't think Biden has a chance in hell, and he may, if you look at the way Biden does he'll things, drop out fast. he may drop out fast. sometime. I sure hope so. Well, he may, he may drop out. I'm going to say by—we'll double down on our 20 buck bet, but um, I, I think it's going to be sometime in May. I've already won that bet. I don't know why I no, yeah. <laughs> Sometime in May. Sometime in May.
2: Yeah, because he'll drop out. I mean, it took him a long time to even step into it. Yeah. But I've just got to push back a little bit. Uh, to the comment that they're almost the same. They are, they are <laughs> I not.
4: Your, I saw your eyes roll.
2: Yeah, the they are not hand. almost the same. Um, if you if you are somebody who tends to believe what a politician says on their face, then I can understand how you might think that they're almost the same. But when you look at track records, it's not there. So Elizabeth Warren, she just came out with a proposal to raise social security, 200 bucks a month for folks. Okay, Bernie has had a bill to raise Social Security like four times over the last six years. Elizabeth Warren didn't co-sponsor any of those. Yeah. This happens repeatedly with things that she has come out for in, in support in her campaign, which great. I mean, we want people to do that and, and I don't have any problem with that. The issue is she didn't co-sponsor Bernie's bills on these same exact things from the last few years. And why didn't she do that? So it's it's great that she wants to be the progressive voice and carry that mantle, and she has a really good shot of doing it and winning. But i I just don't trust her as my number one choice, like I trust Bernie on all of those issues, and that's why.
1: And then, and and again, that's your that's your opinion and your right, certainly, particularly at this stage in the game. You you have to go with who you really believe in. However, it's this exact kind of, of dicing and slicing that is really hurting the Democratic Party and the whole democratic process. I would rather see, uh, I would rather see those two stand on stage together during a debate. And say we agree on eighty-five to ninety percent. Well, we'll have that chance. Saying. No, we'll
0: see. You know, we'll have that chance because they, yeah, I, don't I know. mean, you remember how Hillary and Bernie essentially for the about seventy-five percent of the primary, how they ran their campaign where they weren't, mud, you know, slinging mud on each other and whatnot. It got a little ugly towards the end, but the reality is they were trying to be unified. Remember, you remember when he was like. I heard enough of a goddamn emails or whatever he said. Hillary yeah.
2: and The Hillary and Obama primary was way worse exactly. than oh, the yeah. Hillary-Bernie one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is the slicing and dicing, that's what the primaries are for. Right. So I, I have no so issues. So it's a vote. It's so, a
1: vote. That's my point. I, I, this is why I keep coming back to this. How many more debates do we need? It's not important at this point. Let's go to the voting. Right. There's polls one on Thursday. And make it happen. There's
0: one on Thursday, I and I, I can't remember watched. what they're talking about. And I've, I tuned out of the last one. You know, but we got to wrap it up because we're already past the hour. So it's I not wanna, this Thursday. Is it? So the next on, one after the fifteenth. So is it the following Thursday? Yeah. Okay. I
2: don't know what day it is. <laughs> It's we're, ten, not, we're not that close to the 15th yet.
0: Regardless, it's go. 10 days from now, so it's still right around the corner, and it's still the 253 candidates, and, you know, Pete Buttigieg will come in on his scooter, and I actually really like Pete Buttigieg, but he'd be a great vice president. But, anyways, we're going to get out of here, so if I want to give you guys at least a chance to give some, some closing thoughts. I'm done. I have nothing left. <laughs> but, but if you'd like this is your chance to give a closing thought
1: sure i guess i'll start and then they can refute everything i say this is the way it's going to work here i'm i'm being teamed up on their ageists and uh, you know. <laughs> no no the bottom line is this what we were here to talk about is the impeachment process i was not a fan of impeachment until i was let's put it that way this last 10 days and specifically the last 5 days has made this a very clear agenda as james said they have to do this. It's it's the responsible thing of Congress to do what they need to do. It's not going to change anything, unfortunately, in regards to him leaving office. He's going to be there right to the end. He's not going anywhere. It's, it's going to take... A, the process takes so long, we will be through the general election before it ever resolves itself. However... I like the fact it keeps him on his heels, and that's where we need to keep Donald Trump, is on his heels. We haven't seen him completely lose it like he has been doing the last week and a half, and particularly the last four days. He's completely starting to show everything that he really is, and those people in the middle, which again I'm going to keep coming back to, the really important voters, not the 33 on one side and the 33 on the other side, but the people in the middle— Those folks are going to decide the election, and they're seeing Donald Trump for who he is. It only helps the the Democratic uh, primaries become more important than ever before. The last part that I will say, and we'll keep coming back to this, is that I think as we get closer and closer and closer to actual elections that matter, the real polls that matter, we're gonna start seeing that there is a very quick winnowing of all of these these candidates, and it's gonna come down to two or three people. And I and I don't believe that Joe Biden's gonna be one of them. I, I believe yeah, that I by the time this thing is done, Biden's gonna be out of it, and it it's it's likely gonna be Bernie. And it's gonna be Elizabeth Warren and probably Pete Buttigieg maybe Harris as the VP candidates, because that's what they're running for at this point. And I and I'm fine with that because here's the good news. Anybody on that slate is infinitely better than what we have right now. And that's 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 the have, reality is, is that a lot it. of the division yeah. though, a lot I
0: mean. I'm a I admire a lot of the candidates that are in the 20. You know, even in some ways Marianne Williamson, we joke about it, but in the debate process, why I think that the I've watched them because I'm a, a I follow this stuff pretty closely, but I think she has made some of the best points. And so the, lot, the a lot of the candidates every single election where there's an incumbent of the opposite party you know the the people that run the 20 candidates they call it the clown car it's the same thing over and over again you know so i mean i honestly think that sometimes having the differing voices is good and like james always talks about coalition building by the end of it you
2: have to you know you guys are saying the same thing yeah the differing voices are good we just have to remember that being able to make some salient points doesn't make you presidential Sure, <laughs> sure. And that's, and that, and that's the, the Democrats tend to have a hard time with that right? because they hear something and that one thing might stick with them and they go, "Oh, I want that person. Well, you
0: know who I have respect <laughs> for? You know, I, honestly, in this whole process that is going to be forgotten as far as his run is Eric Swalwell, because Eric Swalwell got his feet wet, made a couple jabs at Joe Biden and then was like, this is a joke. I got work to do. So talking about getting legislation done and, and actually doing your job, he's on the uh, investigative committee. You know, that's not passing legislation, but I guarantee he has. That's specifically what I'm bringing up. He's been working his ass off to try to make sure that this impeachment is sound. You know, and Eric Swalwell is always on, the, on TV. He's always like explaining to the American people what he's trying to do. You know, so for the people that are saying, and I'm sorry, Jeremy, I really do appreciate your input, but that being said, when you say that, I think that they're just, you know, they're not doing their job. I don't think you're paying attention, you know, because I think that a guy like Eric Swalwell is working his ass off and a guy like Schiff who, if Trump's mad at you, you're probably doing something right. Not John Bolton though.
2: <laughs> you well, know? Like, I'm glad to hear that about Swalwell because the only thing I had remembered about him was I saw his announcement on the Colbert sure. show late night and he called his mom and told her that he was running. Like, that was his thing. And it was so sad. But he It was ridiculously himself. sad. And not only that, but, like, she was not thrilled on the phone call. So, so, so it, it spelled
0: bad news for him right out of the gate. One of my favorite moments in political history, and this is funny because it's light is I was watching the vice presidential debate with Dick Cheney, and it's funny because it's by Dick Cheney saying it, but Dick Cheney and Joseph Lieberman, and Joseph Lieberman said, my wife, you know, we talked, and she didn't really want me to be on the vice president ticket, and she doesn't probably doesn't want me to win. And and, and Dick Cheney looked at him and said, well, Joe, I'm going to do my best to make sure that happens for you. <laughs> so, Blair, did you want to give a, a rant?
4: Yeah, so I'm I'm all about impeachment because of the main reason is yeah, he's not going anywhere. He really isn't. And I'm totally aware of that fact. But like, he's not
0: going to leave office. No, on they're his not going to
4: get him out of office with an impeachment. However, it is going to expose people like Mitch, who's going to block everything. Everybody who blocks it is another reason for me, specifically, to not want that to happen ever again. I really want a reset button to be hit on the government. And right now, with Trump exposing all the holes and stuff, I think this is a really good way to get people who are kind of flip floppy to be like, okay, maybe I do have faith in my government. Congress is pursuing this. You know, the law does apply to everyone kind of deal. So that's my two cents. And James,
2: you had touched on it, but I'm going to give you a last word. Thanks. Um, I, I think, uh, I don't see Mitch blocking it. He says he isn't going to block it. Um, and I think it's true because he knows that there's not going to be 67 votes in the Senate to vote to impeach him. And if Trump gets off on that, it's a boon for his campaign so we'll see how the timeline plays out but i mentioned at the very beginning that i was surprised that this was still the major story in the in the news because news tends to change so quickly in the trump era Uh, but i don't know if anybody's noticed he's had the biggest fundraising of his term donald trump has since the impeachment thing came out so it makes sense. What Trump does in all of his rallies and basically everything he does, he always he does real life A B testing where he tries to figure out what's the what's the message that I need to be putting out here that makes the crowd happy. And when he's got that money flowing in, that tells him this is the message I want out there. And so he sees all of this money coming in right now, and he wants to keep that message at the forefront, and it gets him the attention. Well, just when it comes to our marketing person, right? Uh, any marketing is good marketing.
1: Yeah, here's something I want to point out again. Statistically, let's, let's go back to the facts. If you take all the money that's been raised by Democrats and you put that in a big giant pile and stacked it up against Trump's money, we are actually
0: on top. Sure. And yeah. let me remind you, when they did the GoFundMe for the wall, still ain't got no
4: wall.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the, yeah. Well, when it comes to the fundraising though, Trump's reporting $125 million this last quarter, which trumps all the money that came in from the Democrats. But we have to realize that that also includes the money going to the RNC. Sure. And that, those two are in bed. We have to be clear. Those right. two are in bed. And they're using that to get around the campaign finance limits. Mm-hmm. But, so Trump's actual numbers, yes, are less than the Democrats' numbers, but you're going to continue to see in the media reporting that 125 million, and right. it's going to look like they're dwarfing it. Yeah, and they're not reporting alongside that that it's the RNC donations and the Trump ones, right. And that they're in bed together, like they're literally they have their campaign offices are in the same office. Yep. Right. So, so I'm. By Trump. I just yeah. want to thank you guys for coming. I know this is kind of all over the place, and we're just
0: getting all aggressive and should see our red faces but but i appreciate you guys so much and i appreciate you listening to this uh you know and continuing to support the podcast i didn't rec- you know represent any sponsors today james is here he is the host of the oregon Cashflow pro and i'm not mentioning it in this episode so don't go to their website this time oregon <laughs> Pro dot because i figured it was a conflict of interest if i mentioned oregon Pro <laughs> with him as my guest so yeah we'll talk about that next time Uh, An exciting revelation, new, new opportunities. I'm going to now be able to take calls, not from, we're not doing it live. We're still going to do the canned recording of the podcast, but in the future, like I have a plan, Uh, I'm going to do a four part series on local podcasters. We're going to take a break from the politics for a little bit, doing a four part series coming up on local podcasters. The next week's episode was with a father and son duo. They're called the nonsense hour. And I'm also going to have a recording with Jacob Espinoza on his podcast on middle management leadership. So some cool stuff in the horizon. And so I appreciate you guys listening. I'm going to end it with a song I've already played, but if I thought it was really fitting. It's called Cheeto in the White House. <laughs> so this is me, <laughs> Self-Esteem But Willie. And this was co-produced by Patrick Miller, one of our guests today. So this is me, Self-Esteem But Willie, with Cheeto in the White House. Thanks, guys. In the White
3: House is a Cheeto with an ego. His tiny hands writing orders Why a not we go to the streets And show we'll a lack of support for what he's doing Civil war is for sure brewing Trees are filled with causes of humanity and peace Minds which discuss with easy fight bigotry Misogyny and honesty I'm quite embarrassed Respect in America is the rarest Form of communication seems to front of breakdown Looks like it's time to take down the fascist regime But we must do it peacefully If we want our country to Stations outside skateboard. Back is the feeling of the '80s skater punk. We picked up America later in the funk. We're in a battle with the ethics of survival, of the fittest versus the of the hypocrites. I get it, it's a true test of character. It's painful to watch, like an electric parasite on the host. Turn up a notch, attempt to test your patience, but we can't afford to distance other nations. Become the laughingstock, led by a narcissist. Half of the states are pissed about all of this, but I digress. In the White House is a cheetah with an ego. His tiny hands writing orders. Why don't we go to the streets and show a lack of support for what he's doing? Civil war is for sure brewing. Streets are filled with causes of humanity and peace. Minds we discuss, with easy, fight bigotry, misogyny, and honesty, I'm quiet and bearish. Respect in America is the rarest form of communication. Teaching we a breakdown. Looks like it's take down the fascist regime, but we must do it peacefully. Everyone. of humanity and peace. Minds with disgust, we easy we fight bigotry. Misogyny and honesty, I'm quite embarrassed. Respect in America is the rarest. Form of communication seems to have had a breakdown. Looks like it's time to take down the fascist regime. But we must do it peacefully if we want our country to stay free. Traitoral filled with causes of humanity and peace. We're disgusted, easy fight, bigotry Misogyny and honesty, I'm quite embarrassed Respect in America is the rarest Form of communication, students have to break breakdown Looks like it's time to take down the fascist regime But we must do it peacefully If we want our country to stay free